Okay, so welcome to this episode of Coconut Oil Stardust and Dope Today, I have a special guest on. Uh, many of you that are in the group Love Light Lucid, you've seen her, Cree Cunningham. Um, she does a lot of posting and participating in the group. I'm going to let her introduce herself um, so you could get to know a little bit more about her. And then I'm going to let her, then I'm going to tell you guys why I'm having her on the show. Because today we are recording part two of Shadow Work, Moods, and Triggers. So, Cree, introduce yourself. Hey, 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 everybody. Um, I am Cree Cunningham. I live here in Atlanta. I am originally from. The great city of Chicago. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I moved to Atlanta to attend the illustrious Clark Atlanta University. Yay! Um, I know, right? Um, so, yes, I am a mommy of two boys. But more importantly, I am a clinical social worker. Um, I love working with moms and families. Um, and I just have a very different and intuitive approach to the healing process. Um, I just believe that healing requires a sacred environment that's free of judgment. You know, what we do isn't a cookie cutter science. And I love to have a variety of just interventions, holistic practices, methodologies. I just come to it with um, a different approach that fits for everyone. So that's a little bit about me. So before we start, I want you to share your website and your Instagram, and then we're going to share it again at the end, but I want everybody that's listening to be able to go to your website and Instagram from the beginning and kind of get a look at you, get a feel and get a feel for you while we're having this conversation. Okay, great. My Instagram is at healing sacred scars and that's h-e-a-l-i-n-g s-a-c-r-e-d s-c-a-r-s so at healing sacred scars that is my ig and facebook um my website i actually have two www.healingsacredscars.org and um right now what you'll see up this morning is healingss.wixsite.com slash healing sacred scars. That's where you can find me in all of my information. Cool, cool. So when I do these interviews and I haven't done, um, I used to do interviews all the time for like online magazines and things like that. Um, when I have a co-host on, I like things to be free flowing. So I'm sitting here with my tea and honey and we are just going to have this discussion in the light that we usually have our discussion. So y'all are going to get a peek into <laughs> my, my ridiculousness and how we have these conversations. So y'all know there's this, there's this space where we have these spiritual gifts being intuitives and being um, psychic, having clairvoyance. Um, And then we're meshing those with our clinical background and clinical Mm -hmm. knowledge and Mm -hmm. 
um, having the degrees and having had the licensure and doing all of these things and having had the experience. Um, and one of the things I'll do to Cree is like, I'll be up looking at something online and I'll just like send it to her in messenger or somewhere in the DM. And I just, I don't even have any commentary with it. No commentary. Yeah. I'll just send it because I want to know what she thinks because y'all know I love a good meme. I love a good meme. But a lot of times there's so much misinformation out here on these memes, especially when it comes to mental health and just your own personal health and development. I find a lot of times these memes, they Mm -hmm. have on there what sounds good in the moment or just kind of the things that we say out of our mouth. But then when we actually take the time to process it and break it down, it's like, hmm, but this is missing mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, oh, okay, I could see where they were going with this, but it kind of needs this other thing. So my idea was to have another expert come on the show and we can kind of mash it up and, and toss it up and talk about this kind of stuff because by no, number one y'all know I'm like I'm not the be all end all you know it's not I don't want you guys just getting my perspective on things um, but I want somebody else to join in the conversation here because one of the things that I've been talking about a lot with Crete is you know we're talking about shadow works we're, we're talking about moods how people don't readily um, and comfortably tap into their emotions mm-hmm. um and then we're talking about this word trigger because everybody's triggered. It's like, I'm in this one group and every time they do a post, they're like trigger warning. And then I'll read the thing and I'm like, why the hell was that a trigger warning? Like <laughs> what is going on with people that they're so sensitive to everything that we have to put mm-hmm. these disclaimers on stuff because, oh, I don't want to offend this person or I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. It's like, is it? are we creating this space of um i think the people wanting to be inclusive all the time all inclusive of things um right. people pleasing mm-hmm. and not having a clear idea of who you are yourself i think it lends to all of this so that's where we're kind of starting the conversation today this is part two of shadow work moods and triggers if you go back You can look at part one. Part one, I kind of just gave you guys a little intro because I knew I was going to be having Crete on. So um, to start off, I want to, and I'm just going to be honest with y'all. I wrote a couple things down. I usually do these off the cuff, but I was like, nah, we got to make sure that we hit some points here. Um, I want to talk about triggers versus stressors because I think we hear the word trigger too much and we don't hear stressors. So give us your perspective on that. So um, my perspective is um, for this, it's more clinically based and honestly just definition based. So a trigger is usually attached to an actual traumatic event that a person experienced. When you're triggered, then that comes from one of your five senses connecting to an event that actually happened to you. Like if your house caught on fire and you smell the burning wood smell 
and then you're out somewhere and you smell the burning wood smell, then you may be triggered back to the event when your house caught on fire because you associate that smell. You know, that's a trigger. Um, a stressor, in my opinion, is there may be feelings attached to it from, we'll say an experience, but it isn't necessarily traumatic. Or a stressor can simply be from actual emotion, as in you watch a movie that may be racially motivated and you become upset because of what you see. That's that's more of a stressor. You haven't went through that process. You know, it doesn't take you back to a specific event that you personally connect to, but you do have the emotion connected to what you saw because what happens we're supposed to have emotion and feel things Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times that's why we have you know music and movies and media and things of that nature to cause you to feel so you know I see the same thing a lot and I see trigger 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 and then I'm like but where's the trauma that's actually associated with that trigger you're feeling it's a stressor hell yeah if i see someone you know being brutally slain on television then that's probably going to stress me a little bit right because i'm feeling it right and stress is like yeah and i like the way that you said that was just like there's no actual personal connection to it so this is why we have um you know our vet our veterans they're always saying, you know, mm-hmm. at um, July 4th, it's like, be careful because it can trigger their PTSD because they've right. actually been in this right. environment <laughs> where this thing has actually happened. And then when something from that environment poses itself again, it can be a trigger. Stressors, I want to just add that stressors can be good things. Stress is merely yeah. defined as the change in your environment. Yes. And so a stressor can be you becoming an empty nester because your kids move out and go Mm -hmm. to college. Mm -hmm. That's a stressor. Having a new baby, stressor. Moving into a new house, stressor. Those things are stressors. They're not triggers. They're not they're Mm -hmm. not worthy of a trigger warning because it's simply a change in the environment. Things are supposed to change. Things aren't always supposed to be comfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the problem comes in is where everybody wants to be labeled as having trauma. And so I want to kind of talk about a little bit um, like this self-diagnosis thing that's kind of going on where people are like, yes, this is like they're deeming things that were stressful to them as a trauma. And it's not actually clinically a trauma. Mm -hmm. So where Mm -hmm. how like just. I want you to help me to just kind of explain to people how we define things that are actually a trauma, because what I'm getting from people is they're like, well, I don't care about your clinical diagnosis. I said I was traumatized, so I'm going to call it a trauma, which leads to more victim mentality based thinking, which is like running rampant, I think, in society today. Yes, yes. Um, You know, <laughs> and we're, we're giggling, y'all. We're giggling because this is kind of how me and Creed's conversations go. I think sometimes it's a little bit kitchen table talk, but we're not giggling yeah. because it's we're laughing at the situation. But it's just like, gosh, we're constantly seeing the same things the same over and thing. over, the same and thing. we just want a space to be able to teach to it. 
and then and also just um approach it in a way that is you know understandable so that we don't have to keep having the conversation because it's also once a person actually understands what is a stressor versus a trigger versus a trauma versus you know an experience or event that happened that isn't that was hurtful or harmful or maybe even saddening but not necessarily traumatic once we actually understand the underlying basis of all of these things then we can actually move forward in healing them and treating them and and simply managing them like i don't think that people really understand the brain function and i'm not going to go into the neurobiology of everything Please but there is okay. certain <laughs> there are certain <laughs> brain functions that happen or mishaps when a person has an actual traumatic experience you know the amygdala things happen these files are placed in the wrong spot and so people are not mentally in their brain able to understand that or the brain itself doesn't understand that a past situation is actually past so then it keeps it in a file as if it's present or current mm. which is why we have triggers it's an right. actual brain function you know versus I'm gonna just go there. You know, Johnny broke up with me. It was sad. I didn't like it. I cried a few days and now is a traumatic experience. Right. And this is and I think this is honestly, I think this is part of why people don't want to come to a mental health professional because they don't want to undo the rhetoric that they've told themselves that they've been through trauma versus the stress. With the traumas, there are layers that you have to go through because you're actually reliving this thing, like you said, through all of your senses. With the stressor, there's a space where you can actually process out of that and actually mm-hmm. release it and let go of it and never and deal with it. it again. Never deal with it again but people don't want to do that they want to continue to live through it and and use it as a badge of honor because what it does is on instagram it gets you likes it gets you likes to constantly say i've been through this thing i've been through i've been through i've been through so that's what i want to kind of talk about a little bit one of the points i wrote down was empowerment versus trading Mm -hmm. war stories i want us to just kind of go through this a little bit because what I'm seeing, it's it's difficult. It's always kind of difficult for people who actually have the training and the background to be able to teach to people. It's weird. Like nobody wants to hear you when you actually have the training and the background, but they want to listen if they feel like, okay, like, like there's, there's some type of lateral equality there. Mm-hmm. Now... Mm-hmm. I'm not against that because having worked in mental health and substance abuse for so long, it's kind of the, the same concept that like your 12 step is built on. Yeah, group therapy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And group therapy, it's like you're there with somebody else who's been through and there's this level of relatability because none of us wants to feel like we're crazy or we're the only people Absolutely. that have, you know, endured something. So there's a little comfort there in knowing like, okay, I'm not the only person that's, you know, stuff has happened to. But where does healing come in? Healing comes in in the elevation. There has to be somebody that's there that elevates you out of consistently talking about this story and rehashing it and reopening the wound again and again and again 
somebody has to be able to heal you and bring you out of that. And I think this is where, um, for me, I'm seeing um, where people are having trouble. Along with the fact that we're just going to be honest, there's, you know, such a negative connotation of mm-hmm. mental health and what that right. looks like. Um, and that's one of my goals for 2020 is to normalize mental health. I want you to look at me and my homegirls and stuff like that who are professional, you know, or have a background in professional mental health um, and see how regular we are. Like we look like y'all. We, we just have the experience and the expertise and we're choosing the avenue. Like I don't, I don't build insurance anymore. I don't, you know, work under those professional umbrellas or anything like that. Um, everything that I do spiritually, it, it comes to a spiritual window with a therapeutic approach, but I, by no means, I, I don't have a preference to provide therapy for anybody anymore. I don't want to do that in that way. Um, but everything, but, Y'all are fine when you come to me. I'm like, okay, here, come over here to my friend that is a therapist. She's got the couch and she'll bill your insurance. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. I've done that for 20 years. I don't want to. Um, But I want us to talk a little bit about what empowerment is. um, Because that's a huge concept with clinical social services and clinical social work. We we learn empowerment. What is empowerment versus what what it looks like when you're just kind of like trading war stories. And so I've, I've, you know, that's something that I've been thinking about for quite a while because I see it so much. And um, I'm a pro- I'm probably about to go here. So just know, go hey, ahead because let's just have this like we do our conversation. It's cool. Um, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> so we're trading these, you know, war stories as we call them, and it appears that, especially with women of color, we have such um, a predisposition to be able to you know ride or die go through it all carry everything on our shoulders you know so we're constantly trading these stories and living in it and holding on to them as if they're validation of our strength and what Mm. actually happens is we allow these things to hold us to a place where our so-called strength actually becomes our weakness so then we're not moving through we're not healing we're not treating and then we're just stagnant sitting here around the campfire Mm. with a good wine going in a circle and now all of these stories and narratives because I mean, everybody has a story. The person on the other side of it has a story. Everybody has a story. But if you're constantly sitting in your story and recreating that story, all it's doing is going around a circle. At what point does it leave? You know Mm. what I'm saying? At what point do these things exit the circle so they can go back to wherever they came, not to return so we can live wholly, fully healthy and happy? That's empowerment. But we don't want to talk about that because, you know, I'm strong. So the fact that I didn't, I've been through it, I can talk about it, I can tell it to you without crying, that's not necessarily what empowerment is. That just means you've built up a resistance to it. But Ooh. if you still feel some kind of way when you do tell a story, if you get, you know, a little puffed up in your chest as you're telling your story, that means we haven't really healed from it and let it go. So are we going to do that? Do we want empowerment or do we want this false sense of straw? Mm. That's just that's just how I feel. Somebody I, might I, just, I need to, I need that to just settle in because that sounds that feels like a whole sermon. 
right there. I, I'm sorry. Somebody I feel like I need to. Yeah, I feel like we need to pass the collection plate on that one and put a few extra coinage in the collection plate because this is this is where we're at. Um, and by you know this this is this podcast is for everybody. I have all kinds of listeners, um, but. I'm, I'm always talking to women of color because that is who I am as well. Um, I think this this lends to women of color, but I think there's a portion of it that lends yeah. to women in general. In um, general. Because women in general are supposed to be the healers, the caretakers. We're supposed the to wear everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is supposed to be on our shoulders. And we're supposed to pick up these families where everything falls apart. And so that yes. is... So I'm looking at Vanessa Bryant and everybody's like she's so strong for standing up there and talking and i'm like is that strength or is she really trying to pro-? like i don't think she's in her right mind yet because i don't know how you could be after you lost your husband and, and your daughter all on the same day in an accident that is very public when does she get a chance to process she doesn't and she hasn't and it's only been a month that's it's not strength in a month that's not sure i'm not sure she's even in her body when she was up there talking because you can't be so it's interesting to me i just kept saying oh she's this pillar of strength and i'm like why are we why why are we expecting her to do that because Mm -hmm. honestly i'm trying to figure out how she even got up there on that podium and spoke i don't know if that's strength i think she's in a just almost a state of delusion like because, a trans mm-hmm. yeah there's mm-hmm. there's just no way there's just no way but we we praise our women for being in these spaces and then we can't we constantly so over over uh new year's i was with one of my homegirls and we went to savannah for my birthday and waiting to exhale came on and i've kind of sort of been on this campaign to watch 90s movies from when i was like a teen or early 20s and watch them again as an adult and see what you know how my perspective has changed now waiting to exhale was one of the ones i was like oh hmm i kind of actually like this and i could see the characters doing things in a, in a different light but I there's just this space where I think we consistently have these waiting to exhale parties and we call them empowerment brunches or we have these waiting to exhale moments and we call them women's retreats mm-hmm. um, yes. or these just these gathering for women and, and I think there and I know I know there is a healing element to coming together and for for the first time maybe having that cry or um, finding a space that's comfortable enough for you to release because you know somebody else then just went through a crazy ass divorce and you're like thank god I'm not just like losing it but then my question is always who helps pick up that piece afterwards because after you release you need something else poured back into you because now you're an empty vessel because you release that. When you don't have the proper assistance to have the to have that help, you'll pour right back into that empty vessel with the same shit that you just released. That you just released. And then you're going to find yourself paying another $150 to go on another women's retreat and empty again. And it's all lateral movement. So where's the elevation coming from? Why why do you feel like people are maybe 
Um, I'm going to use a couple different words. I'm going to say apprehensive, afraid, <clears throat> maybe have an aversion to. Why do you feel like people, all of those things play into um, the reason why people may not um, tap into elevation or actually a healer who can help them elevate out of that? So at the very at the very basic level, I believe that there is an aspect of, um, I don't want to use ignorance, but let's say not knowing. They don't under, okay. they don't know, you know, um, there is not a good understanding of what that type of service could provide. And then there's a fear as well with the unknown. So mm. it's new. It's very different. For most of us, we have been taught against it. Um, And so now it's like, I'm already dealing with this thing, right? I'm dealing with this thing that I've kind of learned how to manage it in a way that I'm comfortable. I can sit comfortably with my mess um, Mm. and it not impact me as much on all of the days you know so and then I can also use it as this badge of honor as well and so now I'm presented with this person that wants me to address it expose it process through it and they want me to do it with all of this other mess (laughs) that I don't know what they're (laughs) talking about what are you talking about my higher self versus my lower self what are these vibrations do I feel it is it physical is that what happens when my leg starts moving and I wasn't expecting it to you know so there is a whole I think there's a whole level of just um not really understanding what the other process looks like and then you know again there is a fear that comes with the unknown um and because it isn't as widely accepted then it's kind of like, all right, if I start messing with you, then I can't talk to anybody about it because then people are going to think I'm crazy because I'm talking about working with this person or in this certain aspect that isn't acceptable in, you know, across all fronts. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's what it is. And then, you know, also just, like I said a minute ago, being comfortable in the mess after you dealt with something for so long, it's just like an ache or a pain. You know, if you have knee aches, if you have arthritis, you feel like it's something that's probably not going to be repaired. And so you learn how to still operate with the pain. You know, mm-hmm. it may hurt some more days than others, but you figure out how to get through the day with the pain. And then at night, or once you've done all of the things that you needed to do, you go to your remedies that soothe the symptoms. So you never actually heal what's causing the hurt, but you figure out ways to soothe the symptoms. And I think that's what people do a lot of times with um, experiences and mental health and and all of those things. Yeah, just a lot of (laughs) symptom management, but they never Mm -hmm. actually dig deep. Mm -hmm. I know, y'all know I talk in parables all the time, but this is what just happened with my foot. I, I broke my left foot it was like October 2018 I was on crutches for like a good 90 days um, I finally probably got a shoe on probably like maybe two months into healing but that was like super uncomfortable um, I mean I could 
but I could only wear like maybe like sneakers and maybe some kids canvas shoes like that was really it so I'm like okay I start going back to yoga um see the doctor like everything was fine it had healed and everything I could come out of that godforsaken boot um after a minute <laughs> come off the crutches um I started doing yoga but I couldn't do any vigorous exercise and everybody was just like you know when you break your foot um it takes like a good year to really really heal your body and you probably can't get back into heels for a minute so you're gonna have to chill out so I'm like okay I wore heels probably a good so a year after the break um it was October it was homecoming I put some heels on to go out with my homegirls and stuff about a week later I had to go in um to go get a massage done because my hips were like in pain like I was so stiff I could not move so I go in for the massage and the therapist um luckily he did an MT or whatever um you know he was like he watched me walk down the hallway and he was like yeah you're completely out of alignment I also have scoliosis too so that's fine I got that curve in the spine but you know that never really does too much until you get like real old and you get the hump in your back or whatever so the the therapist he says um he start I said well you know just check out the the, the tissue on my foot and he's like well you healed like cosmetically but he's like, you know, you didn't do what you needed to do to heal during the process. He said, I think you were just so focused on healing cosmetically to get back in a shoe so you could get moving. Because he said, when people break their foot, they're always pissed that they got to sit down. Because you can't, you can't be, you can't be mm-hmm. as mobile as you as you normally are. So he's like, you were really just worried about kind of getting back into a shoe. He said, but you didn't heal your body. He said, because number one, you were on crutches. So did you go back to the chiropractor to get realigned? No. Okay. Um, then when you do the chiropractor, you're supposed to do massage with it because the chiropractor gets your bones in alignment and then your massage therapist will snap the muscles back into place along the bones. So he was like, did you do that? And then he said, I, I said, no. And then he was like, I said, well, you know, I was trying to find a good massage therapist or whatever. I had one, but I was like moving and stuff like that. And just time wise, it wasn't working. So then he said, well, you have, he said, I'm massaging your foot and I can feel the tissue in your foot. Like he said, you still, you still walk like you're on crutches. So you haven't actually healed. So he said, you know, what's going to happen? We're going to have to, you're going to have to go through pain again in order to actually properly heal. So you're going to have to, so he's like, you're going to have to be okay with that for a minute. Cause he's like, it, it healed on the outside. But he said, this is, he said, this is how people break a, break a bone. Think they healed. They didn't really heal. And we got to go back and break it to yep. reset it to yep. actually heal it correctly. And he's like, people do this all the time. He said, we don't have to, you know, reset yours because the, the break did fine. But he's like, you've got muscles and tendons in that foot and all of these things that have to do, he said, because, you know, your feet hold your body's weight. And so there's, I mean, I gained weight because I had to sit down mm-hmm. and, and I couldn't mm-hmm. vigorously exercise the way I was. I was doing like 
three to five miles a day, like four times a week at the park. I remember putting a shoe on and pushing through what I broke my foot in October. I couldn't get back to the park to go walking. And I, it took me, it would it take me maybe like um, an hour to do five miles or so, like maybe an hour and 10 minutes. It took me an hour to do one mile almost yeah, in the beginning because of, of how slow I had to walk and how I had to learn how to rewalk and put pressure on that foot. And so that's how I see a lot of people approach their personal development. It's like, yeah. well, I want to only do this amount, but I don't want to put pressure on it because I just want to do what feels comfortable enough to heal just this much. And then when you actually show them that they've only done surface healing, then oops, I'm tricked. I'm triggered. This yes. is a trigger warning. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. It's not a trigger. It's that I've actually hit a point that just like that massage therapist did. That wasn't a trigger warning. That was a that was me undergoing a stress to to let me know that my body is actually still in pain. That yes. that pain is actually still there. So just because I don't put my foot down all the way, I don't put my foot down all the way because I subconsciously know that the pain is still there. I've just learned how to cope with it. Cope with it. And, and, yeah. and exercise around it. So then it became, well, I can't do vigorous exercise because I haven't healed all the way, but did I do the things to heal? So now I've gained weight and I don't like the weight. So all of these things come into play. And I really think that that's how people are approaching their personal mental health. I had this, this therapist was like, look, he said, you need to figure out a way to do this, um, do this membership so you can come back and get these massages and get yourself back on point. What's the first thing I did? The massage membership is $60 a month, child. If I went for a one hour massage, it was $90 anyway. So what was I going to do? Do like hit some licks and do massages every once in a while for $90? Or am I going to put myself in a space where I pay attention to my money so this little $60 can come on out? Yes. I, had to, I had to come on up really? off of Uber Eats. Because Talk I had it. this $60. I need to come on up out of Starbucks. Because my healing was more important. And I was like, well, do I have the 60 I mean, do I have the money for a membership? This is how people come to me for, for readings and sessions. I don't know if I really have the money. Yes, you do. You're just spending it on something else that you think is more of value. That's where it is. And that is the key point that I talk about all the time in all of these conversations. People do not value the process mm. of healing you know what i'm saying they don't value the process of healing because of course we want everything to happen quickly we want it to happen in one time one session one go you know one shot one <laughs> kill that's it right. and that's not how it works so they don't value the process which then in turn they don't value the practitioners that help them to get to the healing and then they don't value the actual services so even with you know, it's the same thing with therapy, with mental health therapy. People, I will sit, literally, I will hang with people that go out to dinner 
because you know I like me a good meal I love you <laughs> a good meal so you like a meal and a flight me, girl a meal and a flight listen <laughs> listen and so I will go out to eat with people and they will easily drop 60 75 100 150 on this good meal and these treats and then when I'm like oh as we're talking through the conversation at at this dinner then I'm like hmm you know this is sounding like a session this is a little bit more than just conversation like (laughs) you need I think you probably need to see somebody on a regular basis because I'm hearing this this and this Mm -hmm. and then so quick the conversation is like girl who gonna pay for that we do this weekly we do this weekly this whole dinner was a whole session oh I was called an elitist for pointing that out to tell people how they like oh you don't spend your money in a place like you spend your money where you value it I was called an elitist on a post because I pointed that out and I'm like well no but I come from a background of working in mental health and substance abuse where substance abusers they are court ordered to go to let's say a 30 day treatment right. mm-hmm. but when you go to 30 day you have to pay that out of pocket like most insurance don't pay for your 30 day um, rehab and if you're court ordered, they like, you need to come up with the money. Most of those are, they end up being about like $200 a week, roundabout. Yeah. So they're usually between about 750 and about 1000 to 1500 for the month, depending on where you're going and what the accommodations are. And I had so many people, they had a $2,000 a week habit talking about I don't have the money for a $750. Yes. And I said, what the problem is, you do have the money you don't want to assign it to this and you get your two g's a week by hitting licks all week your your two g's isn't coming in a lump sum it's coming by you hitting licks and you don't have the money management to be able to put it aside because you don't prioritize your your health and well-being you're just being court ordered to this so you're like oh i'll go if somebody else pay for it but i don't want to have to pay for it so mm-hmm. that's the same way that people see mental health. It's like, yeah, I work for myself, so I have to reshape my money and however I do it. But I was like, yeah, I got $60 <laughs> for a massage membership. Like, this is stupid because I just spent $30 on Uber Eats the other week. And I've done it three times this month. Mm-hmm. I have the $60. I have, you have it. You have yeah. it. It's just what you choose to do with it. Yeah. It's it's completely. That was a, a space where it was like, I don't need the lateral. I need the elevation. Because can I go to a yoga class? Yes. Do Will there be somebody there who can help me with the constructs of my body? Yes. But then I also need a therapist who's actually doing the touch therapy mm-hmm. that is actually working these things that need help. Did that hurt? Did that massage hurt? for my foot yeah and then like a day or so it felt better a day or so it felt better because you went through the process mm-hmm. yeah and it's gonna be like so it took a, a year for me to slide that heel on my foot and then wear it and then fuck myself up so it's it's gonna take another year or so for me to to gather myself like <laughs> 
And that's weird. Do it again. I'm gonna have to go through the process again. And I think people don't want to really stick with that. Um, I think social media has a lot to do with that because social media has us and our successes or getting immediate gratification for crying on camera and people saying yes. Or let me be naked on camera and call it body consciousness and people are like, yes, because they're not comfortable with that or that level or whatever. And they're like, yes. I think there's a fine, that's a whole nother conversation, that's a fine a line between art and, you know, that kind yes. of thing. It's a whole nother yeah, conversation. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to have that conversation because that is, yeah. you know. But it, it speaks to the empowerment piece. It's like, mm-hmm. why is that empowering for you to sit? Because, and, and this is, like I say, we have a conversation like we usually have these conversations and y'all know I like to keep things real. All of your therapists go through things because we are human. We have things. I have issues with anxiety and always have. And then after having several deaths in my family of Mm -hmm. of immediate family members and stuff like that, that sent me into having panic attacks and all kinds of stuff. And then stress from divorce and all this other stuff. Like I'm just getting myself to the point where I'm like, I'm not having panic attacks anymore. Cause some of it was me actually having to remove removable stressors out of my space. So then boom, the panic is gone. Do I, am I still predisposed to anxiety? Yeah, it kind of runs in my family. And so um, you learn things by nature versus nurture. And then certain things are hereditary, of course. But there's also this space where I do the work and I actually do the stuff that I tell y'all to do. So, and people are always surprised by that. And I'm like, that's weird. Um, but I see a lot of people who are in an actual state of depression trying to teach people about relationships and self-esteem. And I'm like, how do you have no self-esteem or your self-esteem is not strong enough? Like, I I don't understand. There's a certain vibration of people that will rock with that because they need to hear that message. And I get that. And I'm not, I don't have an aversion to it. My thing is like, but this is why I always ask, who is your healer's healer? Yes, right there. Is your healer doing any kind of healing other than being on social media, talking about their depressive days? And then going to drown that either in hedonism, sex or alcohol. Because then that's more depression. Mm-hmm. That's way that's that's more <laughs> depression. Like, who is your healer's healer? How do they pull them? This is all about elevation. When you have those days, because you will have those days, right? How do you elevate out of it? How do you come out of it? And people don't want to talk about that. They're always like, Well, I'm depressed, I can't come out of it. Mm, that's not all the way clinically correct. That you can't just snap it. out of it. You can't just right. snap out of it. We, we're clear on that. We can't just right. snap. <laughs> no, like that's not that's not what we're saying. Right. We're saying right. what? Where do you kind of stabilize your moods enough where you're not, like you said, living in that space indefinitely? But people are online getting validation 
for living in these spaces and then teaching other people about it and then calling it empowerment. Mm-hmm. This is why and we're stuck. This is why we're stuck and calling it empowerment because there is a difference, I think. There is a difference in acknowledging mm. what you feel and what you're mm. going through versus living in what you feel and what you're going through and a lot and of then times teaching and healing from that <laughs> and teaching and healing from that and that's what I see a lot of times and it does I'm not gonna lie it grinds my gears because I'm like yeah are you kidding me like are you kidding me um and so then there's this constant conversation and almost argument about people being able to acknowledge or people being able to be real with themselves or people being able to be true and be authentic and you know because I'm triggered and I'm just being my authentic self and I don't have to you know and it goes back to the you know I don't have to be love and light every day all Mm -hmm. day sometimes I can just be depressed and blah 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 and you know all of the things and it's like nowhere and nowhere did we say that you aren't going to feel a myriad of things because mm. that's what it is. We have a plethora That's the human experience. That's the human experience. And that's okay. But when you, when you, because you don't want to elevate, because elevation looks scary, because elevation feels uncomfortable. So when you don't want to elevate, because you're uncomfortable with that process so then you sit in the depression or the anxiety or the sadness or whatever it is that you're sitting in and then try to heal not only yourself but others mm, that's <laughs> detrimental others from that space is detrimental it's yeah. detrimental and although your intentions may be good Although, you know, you may be embarking on this because you feel called to help people. And it's not to say that somebody that's experiencing some adverse situations or feelings is not called to help people. That's not the same thing. You can be very well called in a higher purpose to Mm -hmm. serve humanity. But in order to fully serve humanity, you got to work through your stuff. And most times working through your stuff requires the assistance of someone else. How do you expect to get to this higher calling and help other people if you can't humble yourself enough to be helped by somebody else? Let me pull my edges back. Hold up. Let me make sure my edges are laid down. Let me hold on to my edges. You got more to say so I can keep holding my edges down. (laughs) I'm, I'm just... Because that's what I see. And I'm like, yeah. really? But or then they run to people that vibrate the same vibration that they're in. That's yes. what we're calling that lateral exchange. And then that's where you put all of your things into this person to elevate you when they aren't elevated. And then when mm. someone who has more of an awareness comes by and taps you on your soldier like, hey, boom. Hey, let's let's talk about this right here because I see where you're trying to go. This may not be the route. Let's switch up some things so you can really get there. Now you're offended and you're yeah. mad and you have yeah. words. And now we have to argue and fight because I'm simply calling out what it is. Like you talk about it, you say that this is a process of healing. Let's really get to this healing. And I think that's where the shadow work versus the 
professional work comes in because some things we can do, you know, um, more self-guided, but not everything, not everything self-guided. Yeah, because I think I think the, the, the largest thing is that people don't want to I, I'd say that people have a script that's running. Your life is like the script for a movie or a play. And mm. Mm-hmm. You can change that script because people do this all the time when they go into production. A character comes into the play or the movie one way, and then as they're moving through it and they're doing the table yeah. read, they're like, nah, you got to kind of change this up because that character wouldn't really do this. And you're looking at the layers and the depth of that yes. character, and you're and like, that's what we call okay. character development. Yeah. And then you go through this character development. But what happens is, as in our human form, because we live in ego, we don't want to change that that script because mm. anything that mm. is presented mm. that is reality based that changes that script people get uncomfortable and so then we mm-hmm. have this fight against people and I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because people are always like oh love and light this love and light this and i said this is what's funny i trolled the fuck out of y'all on social media <laughs> And there are some days that my sarcasm is on 10,000. Like I be trolling the shit out of people all the time. That's that's my that's my bitchy side. But I'm loving light and I do it when the ancestors speak for the day. That's me fucking with y'all. Because I see some shit and y'all don't want to hear it the way that I present it. So I'm going to be like, oh, the ancestors are speaking today. Because I done got tired of the same bullshit coming to me in readings and sessions. And y'all don't want to hear it on the podcast. You don't want to hear it on the blog. So let me just troll y'all real quick. But I'm loving light all the time. But I cuss y'all out every day. So there's a balance all the time. And so it's always weird to me. I've, I've yet to run into a spiritualist that is all love and light and that never works in this other side. So I don't even know where that rhetoric came from. I think it came, it's, I think it's a false narrative mm-hmm. that comes from people who don't really want to do the work. So they're like, oh, you can't be love and light. Bitch, I am love and light and I'm glitter all the time and I'm still troll the fuck out of you. Because that's what I do for entertainment sometimes on social media because y'all don't be fucking listening. Like but that's what we talk about a lot of times. And and people, this is another insight to our conversations. We talk about all the time how people do not understand that we are not one dimensional. We're not one dimensional. We're not. We're not. And you We're can not. live in the various sides of you. And it doesn't And it's all to- authentic. It's all authentic. It's all authentic. Yeah. Because when I'm cussing you out, I really mean it and I care. When I meet you and I hug you and I get glitter all on your shoulder, I mean it and I care. Like it's it's all it's all me. I think where people can't settle with that is when they don't actually know all of the layers all of the themselves. Bit. Yep. That's Girl, when I tell you, you just literally took the words out of my mouth because I was about <laughs> to say the same thing. People get upset, I think. And I can, you know what? And I can say this because at what point, because at one point before I elevated, I used to be that. Why is such a, I don't mm. understand. Why. And I felt a certain kind of way because I'm like, oh, they just doing too much. Just doing too much all over the place. And it was like, no, they're not. They're literally doing them in mm. every sense of the word. They're literally 
doing them and it's okay and, and so then I had to go it. back yeah I had to go back why do I care why do I feel a way you know what because I'm so caught up in what everybody else says and what I've been taught and what I've been trained and what I have been you know indoctrinated in that I wasn't living in who I was I wasn't mm. doing it. so then when I see somebody doing them I'm feeling a way because I want to do the same thing I want to do me but I hadn't elevated to that level to just be like fuck it you yeah. know um and so I think that's another level to it but that comes with that elevation and empowerment you have to understand what the baseline of whatever it is that you're dealing with whatever it is that has you feel in some kind of way whether it's a stressor whether it's a trigger whether it's a trauma you know whether it's a self-esteem issue whatever it is you have to understand the baseline and then be able to work through it so that you can elevate and then you can truly live in authentic empowerment that's the whole morals of the story it is it is um so I want to kind of talk about before we wrap because you know we'll be on here all day all day (laughs) (laughs) I want to kind of talk about um kind of go back to what we were saying you you need assistance with doing your shadow work with doing your self-development um and why that piece is so important. So I want to break down shadow work real quick for people that may be new to listening to the podcast and just kind of new to personal development. Um, We have, for all intents and purposes, very elementary level, we have light and we have dark. There are these, um, you know, contradictory sides of ourselves that aren't as contradictory as we kind of consider them to be. There are parts of yourself that you illuminate and that you really, really let people see. And then there's parts of yourself that you kind of hide and you you leave them locked away and you don't really readily give people access to. All of that is actually okay because it speaks to your layers. A lot of your patterns and things that you do, like your patterns of thought, Um, So first off, let's talk about we have our belief system, which creates our thoughts, which creates our emotions, which create our actions. It's all a domino effect. And so there's a space where you can start to change. We, We have to change our actions by ultimately changing our belief system, which is where we change that script that's running where people have a lot of problems so what they'll try to do is they'll change their moods they'll try to change their moods and and their thoughts but you, you have to really change your belief system this is why i say when when people say things out of their mouth this is just sidebar when things come out of a person's mouth and they say, I didn't mean to say that, I'm sorry. It's that they didn't mean to say it out loud. Out loud. Mm-hmm. It's not that they didn't mean to say it or that they don't mean it because if it's not embedded in your belief system, it's not even gonna become a thought. If it's nowhere in your belief system, it can't become a thought or become a mood or become an action because it's not present enough to do that. And so things that come out of people's mouths, they may not mean it to come out at the time that it comes out, maybe in the fashion in which it came out, but it came out of their mouth because it was a thought because it's part of their belief system. They just may not have wanted you to know that. (laughs) 
That's all right. that is. So I want to throw that out as like a, a sidebar and a caveat to talking about shadow work because there are these layers and we have to peel back the layers to kind of get to the depth of what is going on in our soul and our being, which people don't want to do. They don't want to get tapped and be that vulnerable. Um, <clears throat> but this is where shadow work comes from. Now, the key here is that you really can't dig because your ego is going to put a trap a trap door on it and say I'm only going to let you go this far or I'm only going to allow myself to go this far and you're not going to really when those thoughts come up that are upsetting or stressful you're going to tuck it again you're going to go back and bury it again the reason why you need professional help is to when when that thing comes up number one you need somebody to pull it out of you because they see it and number two when they pull it out it's like no 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 we're not putting that away we're going to go ahead and examine that now let's stare at this let's look at this because now you have to be accountable because somebody else saw it right yep and that's where people tend to have trouble. But this is the point of having someone else who can help you elevate because they're not going to let you examine it and go put it back. They're going to have you examine it and say, does this even belong here? Do we need to dispose of this in an incinerator? How do we get rid of this? And then how because now you're this empty vessel like we talked about earlier because i just removed this thing i just extracted this thing how do we fill that empty vessel space back with something that's healthy if at the end of your women's retreat waiting to exhale party if you weren't filled back up with some tools that help you to not go back to that other pattern that was lateral. It wasn't elevational. It wasn't elevation. Woo. That right there. Yeah. We, we can't be afraid to tap into professionals who are taught how to care for our vulnerability. That's what we're taught to do as, you know, in that professional world is learn how to care for people's vulnerability. Um, and protected. Yes, that's such a good point. Um, I mean, and that would lead into a whole other conversation. <laughs> Which we always have. We always have. Because, you know, a lot of us are not comfortable in our vulnerability. And because yeah. we don't really, again, it, it goes back to understanding and comprehension because we don't fully understand and comprehend the all of the nuances of vulnerability because there's so many great things about being vulnerable that leads you to such a great place when you can mm. live in your vulnerability that we miss so many of the things that are destined for us because we're not able to be vulnerable because we're conditioned through experiences, through conversations, through teaching, that vulnerability is a weakness and something that we should not readily expose. When in And truth, I think it goes back to that strength thing that you talked about yeah. earlier. I've become so strong that strength is my weakness. I'm trying mm. to tell people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we don't we don't understand that that vulnerability is what gives us good albums too. It gives us good music. It gives us art. It gives, it gives us, us good art. books. 
And you know what? Vulnerability gives us freedom. Yeah. It does. It gives us freedom when you can truly be vulnerable and in a place of vulnerability um, with yourself. And then, you know, with a trusted someone else that allows for exposure, that allows for expression, that allows for release, which then ultimately allows for freedom and moving forward. So there's so many great aspects of being vulnerable. It's just, again, navigating your way to someone that will care for you in your vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we had a good convo today. We gave people a little peek into how we do things and how we have these chats. I'm definitely going to have you come back on but thank you for doing part two for me of shadow work moods and triggers um i am gonna have um kree's information posted on the front page of the podcast so you're able to go there and contact her um and you guys send voice messages if you're listening through anchor you can send me a voice message and kind of talk to us about the the recording today for the podcast also if you want to email me some comments and commentary email me at 3l love light lucid l-u-c-i-d at gmail.com y'all make sure you're following me on instagram love and fairy magic um f-a-e-r-y and i'm on twitter too I was given a reminder to start using my Twitter more often. So that one is love fairy magic. I'm going to try to use that more, but um, y'all get used to Cree coming on because we just kind of have these flows and I think it's um, helpful to give you guys some insight into how to navigate yourself with um, your own personal and spiritual development. So thank you, Cree, for coming on and chatting with everybody today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was super dope. Um, so I appreciate it. And absolutely, whenever we're back on, let me know. So you guys, make sure you go back listen to the archives there are lots of other shows on um and we are back recording for 2020 giving y'all some dope topics make sure you email me if there are topics that you would also like to see but thank you for tuning in to coconut oil stardust and dope vibes